Well, we're finishing our series this morning we've just called Thank You Notes. Uh, we started it last week, and we kind of set it up by looking at some of uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon's... How many of you know the Jimmy Fallon segment, Thank You Notes? How many of you, how many of you are familiar with that? Great. You're going you're to love what's next. Um, this is inspired a little bit by Jimmy Fallon's Thank You Notes segment. And uh, basically what his segment is about is writing thank you notes... Uh, for things that he's thankful for, but he's not really. He's really writing thank you notes about things that frustrate him, but he writes it in a way that makes it sound like he might be grateful, but he's really not. How many of you get sarcasm? Yes? Okay, only half of you. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if the other half are being sarcastic. I'm not sure how that works. But uh, let me show you a clip so you have an idea what that's about. I'm running a bit behind today, so I thought if you guys wouldn't mind, I'd just like to write out my weekly thank you notes right now. Is that cool? Is that you guys I know I'm taking your time. You guys are awesome. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Take your child to work day for basically being a live version of your annoying coworker showing you photos of their kids on Facebook. Is that yeah? Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all yeah, see a trick? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> Thank you. Full house. X-Files, and Coach for all getting reboots. Or as Steve Urkel put it, can I do that? You probably can. Yeah. Why not? Why not? NBC. Might as well bring it back. Thank you. Day of the week pill containers for being advent calendars for old people. <laughs> what day is it? That's the best one. Is it it's almost Sunday. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait, I can't wait. <laughs> I have some of that new hot sauce at Taco Bell. <laughs> Thank you, friends who have destination weddings, for basically saying, please pay us to ruin your vacation. That's right. <laughs> I know. All right, so that's it. Uh, super funny. Look, uh, you know, it's funny to, to kind of poke fun at the things that frustrate us or maybe we don't think about until somebody uh, highlights it for us. But, you know, the truth is it's easier to be sarcastic than it is to be grateful. And so in this series, we've just been talking about uh, why that's true. It's easier to be sarcastic than it is to be grateful because it's easier to focus on the things that frustrate us than, than focus on the things that bless us. So last week I just asked you to write out a thank you note to God as you kind of look back over your life. I don't know if you notice this about yourself, but our tendency as humans is to remember the bad things and forget the good things. We remember how hard something was, we remember how bad something was, but we forget how good God was to us in the moment. We forget all the things that God has done for us. And so last week I just asked you to write out what you were thankful for as you look back over your past. And if you were here last week, man, our prayer time was absolutely powerful. It was dynamic. It was like a, it was like a breakthrough. <clears throat> it was almost like uh, God, was, God was saying, yes, this is what I want you to do. You could feel his presence saying in our heart, yes, this is what I want you to do. Last week at our prayer time, we ended with Philippians 4, and I want you to turn there. Because we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This scripture basically gives us the cure for worry. And the cure for worry is to pray with thanksgiving. In other words, an attitude of gratitude is absolutely necessary to have effective prayer. You can't have effective prayer without it. Sometimes our prayer lives are hindered. Sometimes our prayers are... Have you ever, you ever heard this expression or said it? I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I feel like they're not going anywhere. I feel like God's not listening. I feel like nothing's happening. And I'm not saying this is always the case, but so many times we may be calling what we're doing prayer when in fact it's not prayer. We're just worrying out loud. How many of you ever worried out loud? Yes? Oh, another word for that is complaining. <laughs> Which, by the way, we have good examples in Scripture that God is okay with that at times. Some of God's greatest people went to Him and complained. And God's okay with that sometimes. But I, I, I keep thinking in my own life that I'll be able to defeat, I'll be able to conquer fear and worry uh, once and for all. But it's kind of like an old cold. It just keeps creeping back in. It just keeps coming back over and over and over. And when our minds are suffocating from worry, I don't know if you found this in your own life or not, it's really hard to pray. When you're choking from worry, when you're choking from anxiety, when you're choking from what's going to happen next and how's this all going to work out, it's very hard to pray effectively. Now last week we looked back and we talked about the blessings of God in our past. I don't know if you notice this or not, nobody in the room worries about the past. Right? We, we might have regrets, but we don't worry about the past because we know there's nothing we can do about it, so we don't worry about it. Our worry is pointed toward the future. We tend to forget the blessings of God in the past, but when we look forward, we tend to worry because things have not been solved yet. Things have not been resolved. We don't know how they're going to work out. So if you have something to write with this morning, I just want to give you uh, three quick thoughts from Philippians chapter 4 and this whole idea of the cure for worry and, and how prayer and thanksgiving had to do with it. So here's the first thought, very simple. The problem is worry. That is the problem. Uh, worry is like a speed bump. Worry is like a, a pit in the road of life. It just always causes problems when you run into it. Philippians 4, God's telling us, hey, your worrying is ruin ruining your prayers. It's frustrating your relationship with God. It's causing a lot of problems in your life. And so what basically Philippians 4 is saying, do not be anxious about anything. Basically he's saying, stop worrying. Stop. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's not a hint to live well. It's not a guideline. It's a command. Stop worrying. Stop. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. Quit. Abandon it. Uh, abandon ship. Change course. 
And it's the future that we tend to worry about. What if I lose my job? What if my health fails? What if this relationship doesn't work out? We worry about the future and about the people who've offended us. And we worry about relationships. And we worry about tests and grades and final exams and whether we get into college or not. And we worry about loneliness. And we worry about what people think about us. And we stare into the future and we roll the possibilities over and over and over in our mind thinking that if we think some more, we'll fix it. Anybody ever done that? Thinking that if we think some more... The real problem is I haven't thought enough about this. Really? You really think that's the problem? But we behave as though it is. That's how we act. Just rolling it over. We worry because we worry about sickness and financial losses and uh, divorce and unbelieving children and uh, unfaithfulness of trusted friends and betrayal. And we lie in bed at night and we worry and we roll over and we roll over and we look at the clock and we wonder how it's going to work out and we wonder what morning's going to bring. And we compulsively stay busy hoping to avoid those nagging worries that catch up with us when we stop. So we just stay a, t- stay a, a, a step ahead. We try to outrun them. But I want you to know Philippians 4 is divine. This this isn't a fortune cookie. This isn't a, a calendar quote. This is divine instruction from heaven. This is different than my words or your words or anybody else's words. These are God's words. And so when God says repent, we repent. When He says rejoice, we rejoice. When He says forgive, we forgive. When He tells us to rest on the Sabbath, we rest on the Sabbath. When He tells us to love our spouse, we love our spouse. When He tells us to obey our parents, we obey our parents. When God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the promised child, Abraham went up on the mountain and he proceeded to to do that. And so we obey God exactly and gladly. And so from this passage, the Heavenly Father is commanding us to not worry. So why do we worry? Stop. It's God who's speaking His truth to us in the Scripture. Now, why is God so aggressive against worry? Well, one thing is it's, it's self-centered, right? No chronic warrior is really consumed with anybody but themselves. Worry is self-centered. It's not... You, they may say, I'm so worried about this person. What they mean is, I'm worried about how I'm going to feel if this goes wrong in their life. Which is really self-centered. Worry is a sin that we hide behind the false virtues of compassion and prayer and helping other people. Man, some of the... Uh, you got to watch. People, people can, people, the prayer people sometimes, or the people that talk about prayer a lot sometimes, can be the ones that worry the most. Pray for this, pray for that, pray for that. Blah, blah, blah. And it is, a, it is an attempt to control and to, and to let the worry out. But, but look, it's still worry, and our motivation is to relieve the worry. The most famous sermon Jesus ever preached is called the Sermon on the Mount. And you're going to find the word worry in the Sermon on the Mount six times. Because Jesus knows our human tendency toward it. He knows our vulnerability toward it, and He knows our frailty toward it. Three of those times, Jesus tells us not to worry. In Matthew 6, He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, 
or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. So we shouldn't let worry control our hearts, our thoughts, our imaginations, and meditating on the negative things that could happen. I really like the way that Joyce Meyer addresses this subject. It's, it's very in your face, but listen to this. She says, worry is unconscious blasphemy. Worry is unconscious blasphemy. Worry causes the kind of unfruitful life that Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower and the seed. In Mark 4, he says this, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but, what happens? But, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. You want to live an unfruitful Christian life? Live a chronic worrying life. I promise you worry will, will hinder and shrink and limit what God can do in your heart and in mind. I promise you it will. It will, it will handicap it. It will cripple you. And the work of God will be damned up, not ever able to advance in your life because so much energy and time is being wasted and spent on worry and worry and worry. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus basically said this about worry. I'm just going to summarize the whole sermon. He said, God's our Father, and we're His children. The Father provides for His children, and He knows exactly what we need. We're more valuable to the Father than the birds of the air and the flowers in the field. We're created in His image, and His Son loved us so much that He died for us. Believe in the promise that says... Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. That's what the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, says. So the problem is worry. Here's number two. Here's a solution. The solution is to pray with gratitude. Let's look back at Philippians 4 again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. When I was a young Christian, I used to wonder, I'd hear people talk about praying, and I used to wonder what I would pray about. You, you ever, and a lot of times when I talk to people who are younger Christians, they get the concept, I got the concept that I'm supposed to pray, like that's a really important part of my relationship with God. I just didn't know what, I, what to say. What do I talk about? What do I pray about? What, do I, what, what it was a mystery to me. I, I found out I was in good company because the 12 disciples who were closest to Jesus asked the same question. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray because we don't know how. And then Jesus did a whole, uh, like a whole, uh, several verses just on, here's how you pray. I can give you a place to start. What brings you, what brings you fear? What brings you worry? What are the things that tend to circulate in your mind over and over? Talk to God about those things. Start there. You know why? Because He loves you. He's a good Father, and He cares about you, and He loves you, and He cares about the things that are in your life. 
Have you ever had one of those moments where uh, one of your kids, those of you who are parents, one of your kids come to you and they, they, they open up a vulnerable part of their life and they ask you advice about something that you go, oh, you, you know, and inside, like you're trying to figure out the right way to, to, to answer, but inside something else is going on in you. You're feeling so honored and so um, affirmed that your son or daughter would trust you with that subject. You're like, wow. I'm, I'm like, that's such a big deal to me that you would bring that to me. You're not asking one of your friends. You know, you're not Googling it. Maybe you already have. But you, but you ask me. And that's a big deal that you trust me with a subject that vulnerable. Look, you and I aren't better parents than God is. God wants us as his kids to bring the things to him that we want to know, the curiosities, the worries, the fears, the, those kind of things. So Philippians 4 says, stop worrying. How, how many of you have tried that? <laughs> yes. And it just doesn't work, does it? So you go, okay, God, what, what are you tricking us? Why are you telling us to stop doing something that we can't stop? What do you grunt, squint? I mean, what do you, uh, just won't go away. Why won't worry go away? I tried, I tried. It's not exactly what it means. You can't just stop worrying. You're not just going to say, therefore, today I declare an edict that today will be a worry-free day. Six minutes later, right? Legion is standing in your kitchen, and you are fighting a demon, and you're saying, what in the world is this about? You can't just stop worrying. How, how would you do it? Here's what you have to do, and this is actually what this verse says. You have to replace the worry with something better. You have to replace the worry with something better, and then you will defeat the worry. Psalm 34, verse 3 says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Uh, this word magnify is interesting. In science, we have two main instruments um, that we use for magnifying something. There's a microscope. Here's what a microscope does. A microscope zeroes in on something tiny and tries to make it look big. It's not really big, but it tries to make it look big so that we can see it, like there's a microorganism or a bacteria or something we're trying to zoom in on and see. A telescope, on the other hand, takes something that's generally far away that is giant and tries to help us see the true size that it is. So watch this. That's what we're talking about here when Psalm says, oh, magnify the Lord. It's not saying take a microscope because God is much smaller than all your problems and zero in on him and try to inflate him and make him look big. No, 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 no. Magnify the Lord says pull your spiritual telescope out because God is bigger than you think he is. Zoom in on him and you will magnify him and see that he is big enough to calm your fear and your worry and solve the problems of your life and give you confidence. This is what happens when we 
thank God. This is what happens when we praise God. That's why we sang this morning. That's why we stood this morning. That's why we clapped. That's why we raised our hands. That's why I asked you for a few minutes to pray and thank God. Because when you do that, you are magnifying Him. And He looks closer because He really is. And He looks bigger because He really is. And we face the future with more confidence because God is bigger. So use a telescope when you worship. Zero in on how big God really is. In the Old Testament, there was a king uh, named Jehoshaphat. Uh, besides the fact that he had a really weird name, I don't know how, how you'd get away with that, Jehoshaphat. He had a very unusual way of organizing his army. Uh, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles twenty twenty one says, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord, and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness, as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His love endures forever. So here's Jehoshaphat's uh, battle plan. He's going to put a choir in front of the Marines. Right? Before the scuds go in, before the tanks, you know, before any of that, we're going to put a choir. Now this is very intimidating to the enemy. We're going to put a choir of singers and instrument, instrumentalists and everything. So I want you to picture, on one side there are three enemy armies amassed to do battle against Israel. There's a valley where they're going to do the battle, and there's the Israelites, which are at this point not much better than farmers and sheep herders and stuff who've kind of turned their tools into weapons. They're just poorly equipped. And Jehoshaphat says, we're going to take those who sing and make a choir out of you and put you in front of the army, and we're going to march into battle. Now, I don't recommend that normally, but if God instructs you to do something like that, then, then you do it, and that's what happened in this case. And, of course, uh, you can see that Israel, Israel was victorious because they followed what God says. But here's more, it's more important for us. What were they doing? What did that mean, and what does that mean for us? The Israelites were thanking God in advance for victory because of who God was, because of who God is. They were thanking God in advance for victory, not because they knew the future, but because they knew God. Now that's a very important truth for us this morning. So praise and thanksgiving are verbalized faith. If you thank God after it's already over, that's called gratitude. If you thank God before it happens, that's called faith. And somebody needs to write that down. That's called faith. So the problem is worry. The solution is prayer with thanksgiving. Here's the last thought. And the promise... Is peace. The promise is peace. Let's look back at Philippians 4 again. Do not be anxious about anything. Quit your worrying. Replace it by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I love that thought. Because you look at somebody's life and you say, now there's no normal reason that you ought to have peace. And that tells you it's not a natural reason, it's a supernatural reason. And that's the kind of peace that God gives. It's not connected to circumstances. Thank God the circumstances of my life don't have to be right for me to have peace. Thank God I can just have peace 
whether the circumstances are right or not. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The promise of God is peace and confidence and stability. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our hearts and minds need guarding. Have you noticed that? Things will drift into your mind through television. Things will drift into your mind in life. Things will come in through your eye gate that you see experiences when you're a kid. Things will burn into the hard drive of your mind and cause you to think wrong things. And our minds need to be guarded and our hearts need to be guarded. Our hearts need to be, our minds are prone to fear and our hearts tend to wander off. We need them to be covered. And here's what God offers you and me. He covers our heart and our mind with peace. He guards. He sets up a wall. He sets up a protection. He sets up a fortress to protect and to guard our heart and our mind. And it is the peace of God that stands and guards those things and covers them. So today... Where you are in your relationship with Jesus, whatever future challenges that you're facing, you don't know the future. I don't know the future. But you know God's track record. Right? It's like he's done pretty good. You know his track record. If you, if you fish around back in your past, you can see all these wonderful things like times that God was working that you didn't know it until later and you look back and you go I had no idea like I, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at my at my point in my journey when I was 15 years old I accepted Christ and I was called to ministry and I, and I served un, unlimited hours in the church when I was a teenager and then I went off to Bible school and then I went off to youth pastor, and then I went off to assistant pastor, then I went to pastor, and then I went back to school, and then I went to pastor some more. And I've done nothing in my entire adult life but work inside the church and inside my faith and inside the kingdom. And I can tell you today, I'm constantly amazed at the times that I hit in my life and look back and say, God was working on more than I thought he was working on at the time. I still do it. Like, I still do it. Like, I still say, God knew. I didn't know. I didn't know it. <laughs> but as I grow in life, I discover things. I discover things about myself. I discover things about my faith. I discover things. And I look and I say, God knew. God, so now, now that I know that, I know that God was working on all this, but I didn't know. And, and when you look in your past and you dig around, you find all these wonderful gems. You find all these wonderful treasures of God's presence with you when you had no idea. Maybe you didn't feel Him. Maybe you didn't notice. Maybe you didn't see. But He was working on things and guiding and steering. And that perspective comes over time. Since God has such a good track record, then what I'm saying to you from Philippians 4 is now let's look into the future and let's stare at the character of God in the future. Because the same God that was working when you didn't know is probably working now and you don't know. 
The same God that was active then, the same God that delivered, the same God that helped, the same God that provided, the same God that had an answer, the same God that brought all things together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose is at work in the future now. And so I don't have any confidence because I know the future because I'm convinced I don't know the future. So all kind of crazy stuff's happened that I never thought would happen. So I didn't gave up on that. But I know God's character. And if I know His character, I don't have to know the future. Because I know He's good. And I know He's faithful. And I know He's strong. And I know He's able. And I know He's a peace giver. I know He's Jehovah Shalom. So this morning as we look forward, we're thanking God in advance. Not because we know how everything's going to work out, but because we know it will. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Maybe, maybe you're struggling this morning, and I want to ask the uh, worship team to go ahead and, and come. Maybe you're struggling this morning. Give you an example. Like, how would this look? How do you replace? Maybe you're struggling this morning finding a job. And so you really got two choices, right? You can either stare at the problem and say, I wonder what's going to happen if I don't have a job next week. I wonder what's going to happen to my future. I wonder how anybody's ever going to hire me if I don't get more experience. I wonder what's going to happen. I'm running out of money. What's going to happen when I'm, you know, what's going to happen when I'm flat broke? Like you can stare at the problem, but I'm, I'm convinced that staring at it and thinking about it over and over and over, the same thing, the same way, is not helping. It's hurting. It's hurting you. And this could apply to anything. Just pulling something out. Or you can replace your worry with prayer. And you can say, I remember when I needed something and I didn't have it and God provided it. God, I thank you today that you are my provider. I thank you today that although I don't know when a job's coming, I know where my provision comes from. Although I don't know the answer to this situation, I don't know what Monday's going to bring, I know who's going to bring Monday. I know God's character. I know God's heart. I know God has a plan. I know God has a way. I don't know the details, but I know God is faithful. I don't know why this challenge is in my life, but I know God is good. Look into the future and thank God for His character. Replace your worry with His goodness. Replace your worry with thanksgiving. And the cool thing about that is, you like don't even have to be in a church service to do that. You can do that anywhere. You know why I'm glad that's true? Because worry can come anywhere. It attacks, it assaults. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I, we're, we're wrapping up a little early. I want to have a prayer time this morning with you. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to bring the need that you have to bring the thing the unresolved thing bring the, the whatever it is 
And what I actually want you to do this morning is I want you to thank God in an act of faith. God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the answer. Man, man when I was preparing this message, there was, an, there was an area of my life that I realized I've only worried about. Like, that's it. That's all I've done about it. And I was so convicted, I said, oh, God, you're right. You're right. Because there's so many pieces to our life in this complicated age. And I realized, I said, Lord, I, okay, I'm going to start to thank you. And I'm going to start to proclaim your character. Oh, this, I want you to take the character of God and I want you to lay it flat on top of whatever that need is. And instead of worry suffocating you, God's character will suffocate it. And so this morning as we pray, here's what I want you to do. I, I want to ask you to stand. I want to ask our prayer team to come. If you just prepare for prayer this morning. Here's what I want you to do this morning. When you come to prayer, I only want you to do this. I just want you to say, would you agree with me that God is faithful? You're, you're just taking an act of, you're taking a step of faith. You're taking a, it's not a step, it's an action. You're acting in faith. You're saying, I'm going to act like God is who He is. I'm going to get my telescope out this morning and I'm going to bring that big God close to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to state by faith, today I believe that you are good. Today I thank you that you are good. Today I thank you that you're a provider. Today I thank you that you're a healer. Today I thank you that you're Jehovah Shalom. Today I thank you that God, you're a planner. None of this caught you off guard. I thank you that he who began a good work in me is going to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I thank you today that you're a finisher. I thank you today that you're a redeemer. I thank you that you're a restorer. I thank you that you're a defender. I thank you that you are a comfort. Thank God. I thank you that you're a guide. I want to thank you. Look, all of those of you who say, well, you know, I would come to a prayer time, but I'm afraid what people think. Today's your day. Well, you know what people are going to say about you? Man, they acted in faith. Wow. That's terrible and ugly and sinful. Right, something wrong with them. No, this is your day of declaration to say, in Jesus' name, I am going to conquer worry with the character and nature of God. I proclaim in faith, Jesus, today, I thank you that you are whatever you need. And that's what he is. And you watch, you watch, you watch, you watch. Change will flood into your mind and heart and the peace of God will establish itself as a guard around you and protect you. Lord, I thank you today for the peace of Jesus that's in this room. I thank you for what you're going to do in the next few minutes. And I ask you, God, to do to do that work. And I know you will because you did last time. And you always do. This morning, you have a need. You have a prayer request. You have something that you've never brought to God or something you've brought a hundred times. I want you to bring it this morning. I just want you to say, would you agree with me that God is my provider? Would you agree with me that God is my healer? Would you agree with me? And the prayer team is just going to stand in agreement with you. So without, without any big fanfares, the worship team begins to sing, would you 
come right now as a statement of faith and say, today I proclaim, today would you agree with me? God, you are faithful. God, you are here. God, you are powerful. God, you are present. Lord, I I believe today that you're a Savior. I believe today that you're a healer. I believe today. I, I agree today. And I thank you today. I thank you today. I thank you today that you are a healer. I thank you that you're a redeemer. I thank you that you're Jehovah our peace. I thank you that you are Jehovah our Lord and our banner, our strength and our song, our everything, our all in all. All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called 